Welcome back to the Revival on the Air Today podcast. In this episode, we talk to Graham. Now, Graham's testimony uh, was referenced in a previous episode with Ewan and Christine, how he was healed of cancer. Well, have a listen from Graham himself. It's a pretty amazing journey, and I'm sure you'll enjoy. God bless. Welcome, Graham. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yep. Um, so we're down here at our camp at Karakalinga in our makeshift podcast studio, which is my daughter's caravan. So I'm not sure the audio quality is going to be quite as good as the other recordings, but uh, we'll see how we we'll see how we go. So, Graham, you're actually mentioned on one of the previous uh, podcasts or your healing uh, yes, testimony. That's correct, so yes. pretty keen to get into that. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, uh, tell us about your journey with God. Where did it, where did it all start? Okay, well, it started back in um, 1974, actually. Um, I'd, uh, I joined the Air Force, and I was embarking on what I thought was going to be my career in life. Um, I was 17 at the time, hadn't really thought about God. Um, the only time I ever remember thinking about God was when I was about eight, I think, eight or nine. I remember waking up one morning, uh, in the middle of the morning, in the middle of the night, actually, and just and just I had this vivid uh, realization that I was going to die, and I thought, wow, and I thought, you know, where did that come from? But you know, just innocent child, you know, and I just, and I just and I remember thinking to myself, oh, wouldn't it be good if you could live forever? And then I thought, oh, you can't. And then, you know, just went back to being an eight-year-old kid again, you know, and didn't think much. But I, I do remember that. So uh, yeah, I, went, I went through, uh, I was living in Brisbane at the time. Uh, I joined the Air Force and then uh, found uh, found myself in 1974. Um, I won't go into all the detail, but I was basically in um, a situation and a, a, a part of my training where I normally wouldn't have been. There were things that happened. But I got put in contact with two people who, and I was in Wagga at the time doing my training, and these two people started speaking to me about God. Um, like I said, 17-year-old lad, you know, we all know what we were like at 17. What were you like at 17? Um, I was probably a bit more restricted than other 17-year-olds because I was in the Air Force, yeah. so I couldn't um, go out and do all stupid things. We were very much disciplined, yeah. but... My thinking was still a seventeen-year-old <laughs> wanting to well, do. What's a seventeen-year-old always a seventeen-year-old, yeah. isn't um, So, but th- these these uh, people that spoke to me, um, I had no argument with them at all because what they were telling me I had no, I had a nominal Church of England bringing uh, upbringing, but nothing to speak of really, and so they were telling me all these things, and I thought, great, you know, this is this is something that I that I didn't know about God. Um, but nevertheless, there wasn't enough impetus there for me to do anything. So I just, I just left it. They spoke to me. They invited me around to their home. They tried to get me to go to a meeting, but nothing. And then, almost a throwaway line from one of these uh, these people that was speaking to me was, um, they said I could have a personal experience with God, and it, it really was just like a, in the middle of a sentence. And they just kept talking, but that really stuck with me. I thought, wow, a personal experience with God. And that that got my interest. And for the next few months, uh, I thought about it a lot. In the meantime, I had moved from Wagga to Brisbane for my my Air Force. Uh, this was before email, before texts, and these people had actually sent a letter to this good old fashioned letter. letter. <laughs> yep, to these people up in Brisbane. And out of all of the rooms that I could have could have got put into in the Air Force base, you can guess what which room I got put into. And um, 
I remember I went to get my keys for my room and the guy was giving, looking for the key and he couldn't find it. And he literally just went up to the whiteboard or whatever it was and just rubbed my name out, picked another room at random and gave me that key and that was the key to this brother's room. And uh, I walked in, introduced myself, and he just looked at me with this blank look, and he got this letter out and said, hey, he said, are you Graham? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, I've got this letter from him. <laughs> he said, uh, and the letter said, look, if you happen to bump into this guy, he sort of seems interested. So we started from there. Um, I watched this brother for a number of months, and he really was a good testimony. He, he did and said his life, you know, his life was in Christ. He did everything, did everything he said uh, he did. Um, he was well behaved, and I used to think he was mad going out two, three, four nights a week. So I watched him for a while, but eventually curiosity got the better of me, and I thought, I have to go along. So I went along to a meeting, listened, and uh, I don't remember much about it, but I do remember that everything made sense and that what they were reading out of the Bible was what was happening in that day and age. And I thought, wow. I didn't know. So you saw the parallel between what was happening back in the church in Acts, etc. Yes. And you yeah. saw that in the church today. Yeah. yeah. And just general world events that yeah. he was reading out. You know, like I said, I can't remember all the exact scriptures they read, but just things that were happening. I thought, wow, that's actually what was written in the Bible all those thousands of years ago is what's happening today. So I think I maybe went to one more meeting, and by that time I, I knew that I had to be baptised. I knew that I had to... Um, received the Holy Spirit. These things were very clearly laid out in the scriptures. Um, I, I did ring my mum and asked her about baptism, and she said, "Oh yes, you were christened as a child." And I went back and saw the, the brother, and he said, "No, that's that's not what baptism actually is. It's actually full immersion." And I said, "Okay." So then I um, I, uh, I decided that I was going to get baptised. Uh, it was in June in 1975, uh, so a number of months had gone by. I got baptised. Um, and then I, I come up uh, out of the water after being baptised and I knew that, uh, that something great was going to happen. Um, I was a little bit um, disconcerted, sort of. I, um, when, when I was sitting in the tank, they actually opened up the curtains and uh, there was a number of people, maybe 50 or 60 people sitting there, and I, and I just had this calm assurance come over me that these people knew... Um, what what I was doing and they'd done it and it just calmed me down and so a couple of holidays and I just started speaking in tongues and what I mean that that was fantastic in itself but what really really convinced me was that I went from a person in an instant of time that thought I knew God that thought or hoped there was a God I just all these you know sort of mixed and varied feelings in a moment of time, I, I had an assurance that it was... And I just I just thought, wow, where did that come from? This this inner thing, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, people today, you know, if you ask them about their job, they can say exactly what they do. They're very confident. It was like that. I had this assurance inside that I knew God was real and that there was no doubt about that. And that, that really, that just floored me. And I remember I went back to my room and woke up about two o'clock in the morning and thought, you know, what happened last night? Did it happen? What was it? You know, so on and so forth. And started praying in tongues again. And then I knew absolutely that it could only be me and God. There was no, there was absolutely no one, no one else involved there. Mm. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, so that was the start so of my the journey. Start of your journey. Yeah, 1975. Well, I imagine since 1975 you've seen a lot of things. Yes, yeah. Because you've travelled all over the world, lived in other parts of the world as yes. well. Yeah. Yeah, something I never ever set out to do. It was never my desire to travel. Um, I was uh, for, the, for the next uh, well, ten years. I was I was in the air force. Uh, so I only, only was in Brisbane for a while when I got posted to Adelaide in 1980. Um, I did a little bit of travel with the Air Force, nothing uh, thing. I, I had got um, married by then, uh, had two sons, and uh, everything was going OK. And, uh, and then in 1987, uh, we, I decided I wanted to uh, go to New Zealand um, to help a small fellowship there. So I moved over there and I did that for a year. So that was uh, that was a good um, it was a good time um, thing. Unfortunately, um, the the marriage that I was in at the time uh, there was uh, it, it 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 stopped basically, and uh, so that was a, a bit of a trying time for me, uh, as you would imagine. But uh, my main focus was on the kids. I wanted them to still have good spiritual principles in their life, and and in the natural, it was particularly difficult, um, but things all worked out and um so when you're going through that was mm. that did you question like did you question mm. why it happened did you question god about you know how, um did you, how did you get through a tough i mean that's a pretty tough thing yeah. to go through yeah i i don't think um i i mean i suppose like anybody you think yeah was this my fault that was that was my first thing it was this my fault yeah, sure. was it was it did we not communicate properly you know um i you know there's there's probably could sit and talk all day about what what uh, might and had and had not happened, but um, I, I, I think you know, I'll look back and think, yes, I, I definitely didn't do some stuff that I should have done as a husband and a father, um, but I knew that I was doing the right thing by the Lord. I, I, my main uh, focus was on serving the Lord and praying and reading, and uh, you know, I, I did that did wake me up as to you know that it was between me and God, that it was, it, that was where my salvation was. So it really focused me for the next yeah, yeah, uh, right. couple of years with the kids and, yeah. and there, was, there was no um, animosity there. So that was good from that point of view because I know over the years I've spoken to a lot of people that have had a lot of issues to deal with, with those sort of things, and the, and the kids were always number one. Um, they came to all the meetings. Uh, they did everything, you know, that, they, that I could to, uh, to do it. So then... Um, so that's 1987. We moved back to Adelaide um, in uh, 1988. So I, I had that basically that year away. So that was good um, to to be be on my own and and trust in the Lord. That was uh, a couple of valuable lessons that I learnt. So I got back to Adelaide, and then um, uh, I was quite happy being single. I, I really was, and. Uh, and I remember praying and thinking, you know, this is, I'm quite happy there. I've got two children I'll look after. But then uh, another young lady came along and uh, uh, also called Sue, first wife and second wife, both called <laughs> Sue. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, and that, that was, that really was, uh, you know, a, a great time to be, you know, to, to have a, a, a lady that was focused on the Lord like I was. And uh, you know the, the the two kids you know fitted in and and she, you know she she loved being with with them and around them and again my focus was still with the children to to make sure that they grew up properly. Uh, we end up having two more children after that, um, and uh, you know this it, it was uh, you know a good a good uh, experience to have these two families and uh, you know being joined together and again it was all amicable and, and quite uh, quite good. 
So, uh, yeah, that was so we're up into the 90s now. Okay. With, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So you, you were, uh, I think you reached out to me about uh, coming onto the podcast mm. because you, your journey with cancer was referenced in uh, the testimony that uh, Ewan and Christine gave, which is a few podcast episodes ago now, I think. So for listeners, if you haven't... Uh, uh, if you haven't listened to that particular podcast, go back and listen to uh, Ewan and Christine's too because it's a bit of a cracker story. So tell us about your story and yeah. your journey uh, through um, cancer. I might just go back before that because uh, this is fairly relevant. So um, about 20 years ago, so whatever that is, I can't do my maths at the moment, but um, so it was about 97 maybe, um, I had um, started getting quite severe stomach pains and... Uh, um, you know, I just thought oh, it's something I've eaten or just, you know, not, not to, it, it'll pass, but it didn't. It kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I eventually went to the doctor and he, uh, he diagnosed a uh, stomach ulcer. And uh, I think at the time the doctors really didn't know what caused stomach ulcers. I think they do now. I think they believe it's some sort of bacterial um, thing that could causes it. But at the time they didn't know that, so they... Um, prescribed a number of things. One of them was Mylanta. It's like drinking liquid chalk, if you ever have it. It's... Vaulting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been at it for a number of years. Oh, <laughs> so I was living on that for quite a while, and the, and the doctor gave me some advice. He said, look, you know, you, you, you need to stop eating anything acidic and have lots of small meals. Don't don't have don't let your stomach get empty he said that's that's really going to aggravate it now that was particularly relevant because that was during a week or Tuesday or Wednesday and at the end of that week we had an assembly prayer and fast scheduled and for those next two days I I had a big mental struggle in my head <laughs> about what to do I can imagine yeah. because you probably want a prayer and fast yes. to get rid of your ulcers. I did, and I. But the doctors have told you not yeah, to fast. That's right. <laughs> so that was, um, yeah. So, so there was the Wednesday of the Thursday, and the Friday morning I woke up and I thought, right, decision time, and I thought, no, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do it. And I just went about the rest of my day, and and I did fast. I uh, normally I fast from I have nothing to eat on the Friday night. Um, during that day, I had no symptoms, no more episodes of stomach cramps or pains, any discomfort, nothing. So no no meal Friday, Saturday uh, during the nothing to eat on Saturday. Went to the prayer and fast, had the meetings. And then I, you know, I remember the pastor said, "Okay, that's you know the that's the end of the prayer and fast. Um, everybody can go now." And instantly, this assurance came over me, just like when I received the Holy Spirit okay. that I was healed. Wow! And I have had no problems since that Fantastic. day. Fantastic! Wow! That's and I cool. deliberately went out and had some tomatoes and orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not on the recommended food no. list for stomach ulcers. Uh, yeah, so that that was literally and. Now, the reason I mention that is because we're getting to July 2013 when I had the diagnosis. So when I got that diagnosis in 2013, I did remember back to that time and I thought, I know the Lord can heal me. I know that it's, uh, it's part of his promises and I know that it hinges on faith. Um, now, I suppose back at the time that wasn't a life-threatening thing that I had with stomach, uh, but when you get diagnosed with cancer... And particularly with mine, it was stage three. That was that was a you know a life threatening mm-hmm. diagnosis. So, so that was in July 2013. Um, I had a regular checkup that 
over fifties have um, for these for these sort of things. And the uh, the test came back positive, and they said, look, you should. Um, uh, you, sh- you should head off to um, a gastroenterologist to have. So, what sort of cancer? Did it you was have? bowel, bowel cancer. cancer. Bowel mm-hmm. cancer. Yeah. So they they uh, they they did a, a colonoscopy and uh, they they came back to me and they said, "Yep." Yeah, um, on the day, they said to me, "We found a growth. It's most likely cancer. Uh, we've done a biopsy. We'll send you off for a CT scan." Um, and we'll do a blood test. So a couple of days later, all those results came back, and sure enough, definitely, it was cancer. It was uh, stage three. And so for those that don't understand the stages of cancer, what's a stage three cancer? So um, stage three means that it has, in in bowel cancer terms, it means that it's progressed um, outside of the bowel, and and there's, um, I have to remember now, I think it's T3N1, so that was my diagnosis, which means it's stage three, um, it's gone outside of the bowel, and N1 means it's progressed into the lymph nodes next to the bowel um, sections there. So that was, their, that was their diagnosis. They had an MRI scan as well to get the exact size, um, exact size of it and position. Um, uh, by this time, they sent me back to another surgeon, and he said, look, he said, we, we, can, we can treat this, um, he said the best we can hope for is that it will shrink. He said uh, then we'll recommend an operation um, to remove this, the, the section of bowel that's got the, uh, the, got the tumour in it. Um, and then he said there'll be follow-up chemotherapy. And he said, and all of this is, is, is a possibility, and that's the word he used, that, 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 you know, that it'll go. But he said most likely this will be something you'll have to manage for the rest of your life. And, and because it's got outside of the bowel, mm. does that change the prognosis in terms of you know, uh, stopping it or slowing it down? Is yeah. Does that, that make it more complicated? Yeah, more complicated. If it's outside of the bowel, that means... And again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I uh, uh, don't have any medical training at all, but that means there's the possibility that it can get out into the other organs. Yeah. And uh, depending, mine was quite low down in the bowel, and so that means that there's quite a lot of other organs around that it can spread to. Um, and uh, you know those those sort of um, issues with apparently if it's higher up in the bowel, it's a bit easier to contain. And but the, the lower down it is, the the harder it is to stop it getting oh, out. Okay. So that was uh, we're probably getting into August, I think by now August 2013. So they they'd recommended that I that I do, did have a course of um, chemotherapy to like I said to shrink it. Um, they'd also recommended some radiotherapy. And um, to to target the actual tumour itself, um, so that that went on. Um, again, I'm, I'm not sure of all the ins and outs of chemotherapy. It affects people differently, and there's different types. And uh, uh, the particular one that I had was they um, they I had to carry this little baby bottle. It looks like a baby formula bottle, and you had to carry it around with you. And they hooked it up to a, uh, a line um, they put in your arm, a permanent. Um, catheter not catheter and um, cannula line and they then you just carry it around for six weeks and they just change the bottle over every week so you just chemo so, so it's constantly feeding 24 7 wow okay so as you can imagine that that does you know it's not like other chemo where you have some and then you have a, a respite and then you keep going and so on it's 
So, and that made, you know, it certainly upsets things. I mean, you're basically being poisoned, um, but, it, you know, its job is to kill the cancer. So that, that went on. Um, things didn't go to plan. There were a number of things that went wrong. I, um, and it basically, when it was all said and done, I only got a third of what I was supposed to. Um, I did forget to mention... A third of the chemo. A third of the chemo, yes. Yeah, there were things that didn't work and whatever. Um, back at the beginning of my diagnosis, my first CT scan that I had, there was ra- rather a large shadow on my liver, and usually that means that it spread because that's that was um, thing. And um, the the surgeon uh, who first saw me mentioned that, and then you know surprisingly I forgot about it, and I don't know whether he forgot about it or wasn't concerned about it, but it was a number of months went by when he said to me at one of my visits, he said, "Oh yeah, your liver." He said, we should get that looked at. So they sent me off for another test called a PET scan. Um, again, I can't remember what that stands for, but it's another test that they do, very similar to a CT scan. And um, they, they you, that took about an hour to do all up, and then they came back with the results two days later, and, the, and he said, so we're probably around October by this stage, and he come back and he said, whatever it is, he said it's not cancer. He said, we, we don't know what it is. He said, but it's definitely not cancer. And he said, oh, and by the way, the cancer at your primary site is barely negligible. Really? So this is this is after a few months of less than ideal amount of treatment. And, and uh, you know, he said it's... He, he said the cancer is virtually not detectable. Wow. So... And so what were you doing through this time in terms of praying, fasting, worrying... All of yeah, the above. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was. Uh, um, I, I was. I, I prayed to be healed right back at the beginning. I knew that was going to happen. I was praying to have no doubt because, and it was particularly difficult after every doctor's visit, uh, whether it was the oncologist or the surgeon or the GP or whatever, after every visit you would walk away and doubts would just start flooding in. So, yeah. so when you say no doubt, you're talking about no doubt that God would heal you, not yes. no doubt that when God had healed That's you. That's right. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So it was it, it was a doubts. I just wanted the doubts because you know they're telling you all these things that can go wrong. Um, stupidly, I went to the internet. <laughs> I looked up a couple of things on that, and that did not help. Um, all of the stories on there, so I very quickly stopped that. Um, so yeah, that that was what I was. That was my main focus. Um, I was I was certainly praying um, to you know to. I still wanted to go to work and I still wanted to go to meetings. They were that was my main uh, focus. Um, I think throughout my whole treatment, I think I only missed one meeting. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to get to every meeting. Mm. I thought I'd rather be. Um, oh, I wasn't contagious. I wasn't uh, in danger of catching any infections. Really, mm. So there was no problems of going out into a public place. Um, had to be a little bit careful about you know, people with colds and things that I didn't get too close to them because your immune system is compromised while you're on that. But now that, that was my focus, was to, was to build myself up. I certainly read a lot, prayed a lot, talked to a lot of people. I had lots of encouragement. You know, lots of people would text me or ring me. Uh, at exactly the right times, uh, people would come and visit at the right times. You know, um, I still, uh, you know, I, I still went to, um, you know, look, visit other people that were you know, worse off than me. So that was that was my main focus during that time. So we're probably getting up to about November now, November 2013, and uh, the doctor, the, the surgeon, said to me that he would still like to operate, even though there was, you know, potentially nothing there. 
And um, so I, I agreed that I'd go through with the operation. Um, so that was uh, that was about a four-hour operation, and um, he took me through all the gory details before the operation, and um, which I really didn't need to know what was going to happen, but happy that I was going to be asleep for it. And um, uh, yeah, so the, the operation uh, in itself went went quite well. They um, you know, they they removed the section about twenty centimeters. They removed and uh, joined it together and uh, everything. Um, I did have what's called an ileostomy bag afterwards um, just to allow the the bowel to heal and you can still go off and do all your daily stuff that you need to do. Um, but the, 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 this was just, you know, the the, the the you know the icing on the cake, if you like, is that two days after the operation, you know, the doctor came in, asked, uh, came in and said to me, you know, the operation went well. Um, and he uh, he had his uh, flip chart with him. You know, he's, he's looking at it and he flipped the page over and he said, "Oh, we've got the pathology results back from the removed section of bowel and the lymph nodes." Yeah. And I still remember his eyes just opening up and just looking at what he was reading. Oh, so you hadn't seen them before. I obviously. don't think he no. <laughs> and he said, "Oh," he said, "There was nothing there." <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said, in fact, the pathologist has used the words not a single cancer cell in either the removed bowel or the nodes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he said, oh, I guess I removed your healthy section of bowel for nothing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm lying there with tubes and <laughs> all sorts of stuff out of me. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the look on his face was, you know, I wish I'd had you know, a camera at the time because he, you know, he, he was not expecting that. He was expecting it to say... You know whatever you would normally see after that operation. Yep. So that was uh, that was really you know I was on, as you can imagine I was just sitting there, happy, rejoicing, praising the Lord that you know that that you know He had healed me, like there was no cancer of that. And you had the section of bowel approved. Yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty unusual. Yes. So that's uh, that wow, was the that's thing. That's fantastic. So the next few months again were a little bit of a struggle. Yep. Um, you know I had that ileostomy bag to deal with. Um, wasn't half as bad as I thought it was going to be, but still it was an inconvenience for a number of months. Um, but then there was a little bit more um, to, to go through. The, the oncologist called me back in about two months later and said, look, I know there's nothing there, but I'd still like you to have more treatment. Um, you know, and, this, and this was eight, uh, an eight-dose uh, uh, course of chemotherapy. So what was the justification for that, given that there was um, nothing there? What if scenario? Yeah, because he was saying that just in just case, in case yeah. he said medical science can only do so much. He said, you know, they said there might be some little random cancer cells around there that we can't detect. And he said, if they get out, that's it. You know, he said that's what once they get out and do get into the other organs, he said there's nothing we can really do. So again, back to the prayer, <laughs> back to the back to the uh, case of oh, okay, now the Lord's healed me, but what do I do now? And there was a, a great battle in my mind again. And uh, again, it, 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 I admit it did sort of throw me a bit, that because um, I wasn't expecting that. So then I went to the, uh, um, I, I'd said I'd like to think about it, which I did, and 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 I thought, no, I'm, I'm still, I'm not quite there yet in in terms of 100% doubts had left that that this was a complete healing. Yeah. So. Um, I had a couple of treatments, and again, it did not go well. Uh, you know, there was, and, and I asked the Lord for a sign. Um, I, w- I went to a house meeting, and the the, the uh, I distinctly remember the house meeting. The talk was exactly 
around what I what I wanted to hear, the spiritual gifts that night. Um, I know they've been mentioned in other podcasts, but you know the the spiritual gifts were 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 you know they were directed at me and probably everybody else, but at me. You know, it's what I needed to hear. And then I had some prayer, and then again I, I had that assurance I had back when I received the Spirit, and when I got my first diagnosis, I knew that I did not need a what if scenario. So I, I had an appointment with the oncologist anyway the next week and I just went in and sat down and he asked me how I was going and I said, well, you know, it's not, not good actually. I said, there's you know, been quite a lot of wrong. And I said, but actually, I said, I want to stop the treatment. I said, I, I don't need a what-if scenario because I know the Lord's going to heal me. And uh, and expecting a big argument, but he didn't. He just he just said, no, that's okay. That was the same oncologist that uh, that you and Maxwell had or was okay. before you. And then that's, yeah, I think right. that was Ewan's reply that... He didn't jump up and down and say, well, that's great. He just said, oh, OK. Yeah, a bit sort of neutral uh, response, but uh, that was it, yeah. So, and from that time onwards, um, so the treatment was stopped and so we're up uh, we're up into, uh, well, probably February, I think now, February 2014 by now, it's February and March, and I, I still had the... Uh, still had the, the bag and that had to be reversed, um, had to be taken off and... Um, I still remember walking. I, I went in to have the the operation to have the the bag removed, and um, yeah, you know, you've seen the movies of people being put on what do they call them, a gurney or something, gurney, gurney yeah, yeah. and being taken down. You know, they said you can walk down there. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked down to the operating theatre, and the nurse was walking with me. She said, "I've never seen anyone so happy to be going into theatre." So I sat down, and and, you know, and I was I was completely completely calm, and uh, got in there, and the. The doctors, uh, they, they had a couple of little... They had a, um, I had to remove a chemotherapy port from my chest and, and remove the bag, and, and that was it. So that was April 2014 by this stage. Yeah. So uh, after that, um, there were a number of tests. I think I, I sort of went uh, weekly for a while, then monthly, then three-monthly, then six-monthly and 12-monthly. Um, all through that, it's fantastic. You know, there was, there was... Every test was coming back, nothing... Nothing, nothing, nothing. All the CT scans I was having, um, there just there was there was no no evidence at all that there was anything wrong. Um, so you know that was again a wonderful uh, you know, testimony. That and that was so. In August 2015 was my last appointment that I had, and the doctor said I don't want to see you again until August 2018, which is next August. So and uh, and everything since then has been you know there's. There's, there was a period of adjustment after the operation, after both operations of getting back to normal and um, certainly changed my diet. I probably dropped about 20 kilo, which is good. Okay, yep. um, so that's been good and, you know, for, for, for me and you know, I, I go for walks every day and try and keep fit now, you know, mm. just... But again, it's, it's the Lord that's done the, the work here mm. and medical science have done their bit. It's the Lord that's mm. done the healing. Mm, that's fantastic. Um, after all this, uh, I think it was in August or m- maybe... Maybe three months after my operation, I got a phone call um, from a sister in Melbourne who I didn't know. Oh, sorry, I didn't know it was her when she rang. And she rang up and she said, oh, hello, and she said her name. She said, do you remember me? And I said, oh, yes, yes, I do. And uh, she started chatting and she said, oh, I've, I've just had a diagnosis. And she said, I've heard you've had the same thing. So we chatted for a while and it was pretty well exactly what I had. Um, and... It, it, it was... Uh, I spoke to her for about half an hour and we talked about a lot of things. And then I hung up the phone and I thought, you know what, if I went through what I went through, 
to be able to speak to this sister now and to help her on her journey, well, that's great. Now, that's that's something. And for the next... Um, uh, she's about 18 months behind me in terms of treatment and everything. So every couple of weeks we'd ring up, text, have a chat, have a bit of a laugh <laughs> about some of the stuff that goes on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, then, and we've kept in touch. And, uh, you know, she's, she's gone through the journey. She's had the things. And, you know, I've been able to ring up. And, you know, I, I, even just a few months ago I said, Sister, I said, you think it's never going to get better. But I said it does said you know that, that it, it will you know all the all the adjustments and stuff you need to do they will happen so again that was again that was a fantastic uh you know opportunity to to help someone else and and just with with other people that are going through other things you know, in our fellowship you know medical things or just you know times you can you can give that assurance to them that the board does work yeah. and that's why it's so powerful to share these testimonies isn't it because mm, everybody's yeah. Well, it throws mm. stuff at us all yes. the time and just because we've got the Holy Spirit and God dwells inside of us and we've seen all these miracles doesn't mean that just around the corner life's not going to throw something else at us. Yeah. But uh, it's amazing to be able to have the Lord for that comfort and that healing yes. and that assurance that uh, yeah. he's going to get us through it. Yeah, and uh, you, know, you, just, you, know, you look back through the... Uh, you know, it, it really puts some emphasis when you read in the Scriptures you know, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels where you just see that you know, somebody had leprosy and they were healed, or somebody was blind and they saw, or somebody was deaf and they. You just think, you know, the the the, the miracle that was at the time is it, it has real emphasis when it's happened to you in your own life. You know, you've, you you always believe it. You know, when you read it, and but to see it in your own life just gives that a little bit of extra um, re, um, reality to it. Yeah. Now I normally ask, and I didn't pre-empty mm. on this. Do you have a favourite scripture? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, and it's Mark eleven twenty four, and that was uh, that was my my scripture um, while I was going through um, all of the the treatment and uh, everything like that. And it's a, it's at the end of a little story with Jesus and his disciples, and uh, I can't remember it verbatim, so I might get you to read it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Yep. So I, I remember looking at that and sort of there's almost like four parts to that verse. It's, you know, you know when you pray, not if. Yep, you know, So you've got to believe. Yep. And you've, and you've, and you've got to be able to um, b- believe that you're going to get them and you will have them. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's a real mental battle to, to take that scripture and, and apply it and block everything else out. Push the world away. Yes. And particularly, you know, when you're faced by doctors telling you all yes. the negatives that are going to... Yes. And, yeah. you know, that's that's their job. Of course it is. Yeah, that's what they have to do. They have to present, you know, what they say and what the possible outcomes are. But, yeah, so that was a scripture that really helped me through mm. all of that time. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a good one for all of us. Yes. Regardless of what we're going through. <laughs> yes, Fantastic. Right. Well, thanks for sharing yeah. your story, mate. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no it's worries. good. Thanks for listening to the Revival on the Air Today podcast. If you enjoy hearing these testimonies about how God is changing people's lives today, then make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast app, whether that be the Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Stitcher or any of the other major podcast mediums that you may subscribe to. If you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at the revival on the air today 
If you want to know more about how God can change your life, just like he changed Graham's, then visit www.therevivalfellowship.com. Until next time, God bless.